Eva Daniel, and welcome back for our second episode of our new podcast series, Christmas Stories. Today, we want to spread the holiday spirit by sharing some of our favorite traditions, like this one from a listener of Focus on the Family. My son uh, would put a star on the Christmas tree, and I would always pick him up to, to make him reach the top. And then he, uh, we started a tradition where he would sit on my shoulders uh, to be able to reach to the top of the tree. And we started this when my son was about three, and uh, he'll be 17 this year, and he's almost as big as I am. So it's a real funny part of decorating the tree with him uh, climbing up on my shoulders, and I'm doing my best to uh, support him and not uh, collapse onto the tree. But uh, we always get a good picture and a good laugh out of it. <laughs> I love the image of a 17-year-old guy getting up on his dad's shoulders to try to reach the top of the tree. I'm guessing he might be able to reach it without his dad's help. But what a great memory, uh, and we're so glad to have you join us today. I'm John Fuller, along with Eva Daniel. John, I love all of the traditions that come around Christmas time. That's such a fun story. And, you know, I think, though, that story motivated me not to start that one because be it might careful. be hard to maintain through the years. Yeah. You know, one tradition we started a few years ago accidentally, which seems to be some of the best traditions come out of something that you weren't necessarily planning. My husband and I had these great intentions of going to our local zoo. They do this big Christmas light festival. So the zoo's open at night and they have all these Christmas light displays and some of the animals are out. And I pumped up the boys. And you know, when you tell little kids you're going to be doing something, if you tell them about it too early in the day, they ask you about it all day long. Well, I made the mistake of telling them a couple days out that we were going to be doing this. So we drive all the way up to the zoo. It's, you know, about a 40-minute drive from our house. And we get there. And I hadn't thought to look up the website. And it was the one night that they were closed. Oh, no. On the whole holiday season. Oh. So then we sort of had this panic moment of, oh, what are we going to do now? We've gotten them all excited. Well, we brought you to and, the zoo. We didn't take you in. But. Right. And so I, so I say, well, well, let's stop. Let's stop to eat. And so we stop at this fast food noodle place. And the boys loved it. And we had fun at dinner. And I started relaxing. and said, well, let's go drive through this five-star resort area that has all these Christmas lights and they light up. And so we ended up doing that instead. And we had such a fun night that we have now done that same tradition every year of going out for noodles yeah. and then walking around this five-star resort for to see the Christmas lights. And it was something we had not planned, but is actually one of the things we look forward to the most every year now. And do you go to the zoo first just to remind everybody of why we started going out for noodles? No, you know, <laughs> now we actually, I think we do both events, but ironically enough, the noodles and the Christmas lights is more fun. They take precedence. It's more fun than yeah. the zoo. Well, that's so. neat. You know, every year we, we moved here to Colorado in 1991, and we had two two little kids at the time. Every year since we've gotten here, we've gone up to the mountains to hunt. We call it the Christmas tree hunt. Oh. You can go to the National Forest with a permit. I think it's 10 bucks. You go up, you find a tree. And it's a family experience that has weathered the test of time, whether the kids like it or not. Sometimes <laughs> they're like, come on, can we just pick a tree and get out of here? And my youngest has been rallying us. Dad, they sell trees at, at the hardware store. Just That's buy a tree the at the hardware stores. <laughs> but we don't get up and we don't take hot chocolate into the woods and we don't tromp around the snow and mom doesn't pick a, a tree that's 25 feet too tall. <laughs> so we do have those kinds of traditions that uh, we've, we planned and they've worked well, except for the blizzards and the lost saw and the time that we got stuck in the suburban and the other time we got stuck in the suburban and the time we got stuck in a borrowed Jeep. 
Now, Apart have, from those, it's been a great time. <laughs> now, have you ever lost the tree off of the top? I'm guessing no. you tie it to the top yeah, of your you, vehicle. Yeah, we, we strap it down pretty good. Okay, well, one year we were carrying a tree back on the top of our van, oh, no. and we forgot, and I rolled right into the garage, and <laughs> it, was a, it was a little bit taller than the garage, so that was, that was so fine. So you didn't lose it so in we made, you lost we it. lost a few branches oh, along the way. Oh, my word, that's great. But well, here at Focus on the Family, we want to help you develop some new family traditions with your family, and one of those things is the All the Colors of Christmas Advent Activity Calendar Book, and this is full of beautiful coloring sheets. There's a pop-out Christmas tree that you can... Countdown Advent by reading scripture along with your kids. We also have a free download online called Oh Holy Night, and this is so you can build your own nativity scene, and there's also an accompanying Advent calendar with that as well. And if you want to check out either of those, I'll encourage you to go to focusonthefamily.com slash Christmas stories. That's focusonthefamily.com slash Christmas stories, or you can call us here at 1-800-A-FAMILY, 1-800-232-6459. All right, well, we want to continue with more traditions from friends of Focus on the Family. And uh, here now are Focus guests Bill and Pam Farrell, and also Melanie Shankle. They're going to share how they made some new Christmas traditions early on in their marriages. We are reminded of one of our favorite Christmas memories, actually every Christmas, because we have these hand crocheted ornaments that we put on our tree every year. And they came from the Reno, Nevada airport. Uh, it was the last day of our honeymoon. We got married in December. And like many young couples who just got married, we were flat broke. No money. And we were flying from Reno to her mom's hometown where we we're going to have a reception. And we knew we were going to get some money there. So, <laughs> you know, we kind of had this hope. Well, we get to, to Reno and there's a huge snowstorm. Our flight is delayed all day long. And we have like less than $5 to eat two meals on. And there's a bunch of grumpy people in the airport because they're spending their Christmas holiday in this airport rather than with loved ones. And there was a, there was a grandma there who was hand crocheting these ornaments and handing them out to kids in the airport. And we were playing games with the kids and singing Christmas carols in the airport. So we went on a caroling tour of um, all of the wings of the airport to help give the parents a little bit of a break. But um, what we realized there is, you know what? Life is an attitude. We, you can have Christmas wherever you are under any circumstance because it's all about enjoying the relationships and making the most of the moment. And so every year we're reminded that a little bit of singing and deliberate joy can change the atmosphere anywhere you're at. The Christmas memory that I remember is when my husband and I were first married and we were going to pick out our first Christmas tree. And I was super excited because it was our first home and it was the first year that as an adult, I got to go pick out a tree. My family had always had artificial trees for the most part. And so I couldn't wait. And so we went to the Christmas tree lot to pick out this tree. And when we walked in, and I was also excited because we just moved into a house that had nine foot ceilings. And so to me, nine foot ceiling translated into, we can get a really big Christmas tree. And so we went to the Christmas tree lot and we started to look and I immediately saw it. It was like it beckoned me from across the room. There it was across the lot. It was like angels sang. It was the perfect tree. And I looked at my husband and I just almost in a gasp, I said, that is the tree. 
and he looked at me and he said, you are out of your mind. He said, that tree is two times the size of our living room. There's no way it's going to fit. And I was like, yes, it will. And I said, because it's eight and a half feet tall. I said, we have nine foot ceilings. I said, it clearly is going to fit. And he said, you're forgetting about a geometric principle called circumference. And he said, that tree is so wide. He said, there's no way. And I was like, no, but it is the one I said, I've never had a tree of this magnitude, and I feel like our lives will be richer, our Christmas will be better, I have to have this tree. And so he agreed, because we were newlyweds, and he was wanting to make his new wife happy. And we got the tree home, and we opened up our front door, and the tree did not even fit inside of our house. We could not even get it in the front door. So I would like to tell you that it was way too big for our living room, but we'll never even know that because we couldn't get it through the front door. And so that was the year that this poor young couple had to go back to the tree farm, make the drive of shame back to the tree lot with this enormous tree in the back of his truck and say that we overestimated the size of our house and that this tree is not going to work. And so we had to beg them to let us trade for a smaller tree. And so we traded for a small, more reasonable tree and brought it home. And so that is the story that we tell every Christmas. It's Christmas stories from Focus on the Family, and that's Melanie Shankel. And uh, Eva, I can relate to that issue. Whenever we go out, we actually developed this little system where I stay in the vehicle, and I have binoculars and a walkie-talkie. And Dina, my wife, goes tromping through the woods to find the right tree, and I give her a tape measure. And in in the absence of that, she'll raise her hand up above her head, and I'll say, (laughs) that's all that we have to work with is just that much room in our little eight, nine-foot ceiling house. So I I will actually help her find a tree. Well, I try to help her find a tree that'll fit because inevitably we get home, we have to whack off about 10 extra feet of the tree. I was going to say, have you? do you ever just cut off the top of the tree we and just are, use yes, the top? Yes, we do, and sometimes even just the middle portion, and then we jam things together <laughs> and make it work. So it's it's kind of the opposite of a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, which I think you had an experience with, right? I did. As a child, going to get the tree was one of my favorite parts of the entire season. I grew up on 80 acres in the country, and so we would always go just on my parents' property to find a tree. Well, year after year, as you're cutting down a tree and not necessarily always replanting trees, you have fewer and fewer options. Every year, it seemed that our choices were a little bit smaller. So one year, we go in the woods and we chop what seemed like a reasonable tree at the time. So we drag it back up to the house and we realize that one of the sides of this tree essentially had no branches. I mean, we're talking your quintessential Charlie Brown Christmas tree. There is nothing at all on one side. And so my dad, being kind of the genius that he is, he goes out to his workshop and he gets a drill. And he actually comes and he drills holes on the side of the tree that doesn't have any branches, takes some branches off the other side. And and he transplants them? He transplants them. But of course, we were unable to hang any ornaments on the, you know, the branches that had been... They were fragile. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, we put that side into the corner. And what's funny now as an adult is that I feel this calling always to the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. So we've developed the tradition of the day after Thanksgiving, going to this nursery that has a big Christmas tree festival. And, you know, you can you can find a tree from from a lot. You know, you walk up and down the rows. And I always feel this this pity for the quirky, weird trees that need, that just need a little extra loving. And I always insist that we get one of those. This sounds like a movie in the making. I don't know what it is, but there there must be some movie about 
The mom who takes heart for the tree that everybody else neglects. Someone needs to love it. Yeah. Someone needs to love it. Well, those are uh, those are fun memories, and it's interesting how a simple thing becomes a tradition. And uh, while they can be fun, they can have a lot more significance as time goes on. A Christmas I'll never forget was the year 2002, and my youngest daughter, Kim, and her husband, Mark, had moved to Hawaii. It was to be our first Christmas without her, and it was the very first year that Kim and I did not bake our special Christmas cookies. From the time she was eight years old, we made butterhorns together. She would help me roll out the dough and sprinkle on the pecans and sugar. And that December, I made the dough and placed it in the refrigerator, but when it was time to roll them out, I cried. I placed the dough back in the refrigerator. Two days before Christmas, I received a telephone call from Kim, and she knew how much I missed her. I told her that I wasn't able to make the butterhorns without her, so we made a deal. She said she would call me the next day at 1 o'clock. She would talk to me while I made them. Well, the next day I was happy and ready to carry out our plans, but she never called. I tried making the cookies, but I kept crying. And while we were home, the doorbell rang. I opened the door, and there stood Kim and Mark. We hugged and we cried. It so happened that they were able to get a last-minute flight. On Christmas Day, we made the Butterhorns, and it was a Christmas I will never forget. While stationed at Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, Japan, in December, I got a slip to pick up a package at the base post office. I took the package back to my room and opened it. There was a small, healthy pine tree that smelled great. My wife, Carol, and our four children had also packed in a tree stand, a string of lights, paper chains, cut-out snowflakes with a string attached to tape to the ceiling, and there was an incredible fireplace drawing on brown paper bags with red flames drawn above the logs. This was exciting and really cheered me up. Word of this spread quickly. At different hours, I would get a knock on my door, and when I went to the door, there would be four or eight guys from other Air Force crews standing there looking hopefully at me. One would say, are you the guy who has a Christmas scene in your room? I said, yes, and come on in. They would stand or sit on my bed and stare at the cheerful scene. There were tears in the eyes of some. It was usually quiet for a while, then soft talk of back home. It was a solemn but encouraging time. I've had many good Christmases, but this is the one that I remember the most. Thank you, and Merry Christmas. It means a lot to the servicemen and women overseas to remember them in special ways. Well, we appreciate uh, that focus on the family listeners' service to our country and, and certainly the sacrifice that so many military families have to make. And uh, I hope as we head into the holidays, you'll be thinking of opportunities that you might have to offer a kind word, uh, some support, uh, a little bit of home to uh, to these families. You know, Eve, as we talk about traditions, I'm thinking of the importance of letting go of traditions. Mm -hmm. And uh, for many, many years, we have done a birthday cake for Jesus. We get up, and when you have little kids, it's kind of the wonder of What's the day all about? And there is Santa Claus, but in our home, we try to emphasize Christ, and we celebrate his birthday. We recognize it's not on December 25th, but still, we make a birthday cake for Jesus. Oh, that's great. So we wake up and we do that. There's been pushback over the years. And I think about two years ago, my wife just decided it's not worth it anymore. 
our kids aren't little anymore. Mm. And so while that's a nice tradition, um, I'm thinking we're going to kind of let that one slide away. We'll still keep the emphasis on Christ, of course, but we're going to put that one away and just let it be in the books and, uh, and let that be behind us. I wonder if there's wisdom in letting go and not forcing it too, too much. You know, I heard someone share with me once the importance of you keep doing the traditions as long as everyone enjoys it. It's an enjoyable thing for the bulk of people. Probably not everyone will enjoy it every year, but maybe like you said with that that birthday cake, it was it was really fun when they were kids, but maybe they're a little older now and it's a little Yeah, they'd cheesy. rather sleep now. Yeah, they'd rather <laughs> the tradition should be getting up late and, and opening presents. You know, it has been fun as I've become a mom just figuring out what I want those traditions to be. And and some of them, I don't know how long we'll do them for, but when I started um, just a couple years ago was I got little envelopes and I wrote the dates, you know, 1 through 25, <laughs> and I slip in activities that we'll do every day. And some of the activities are very simple because I'm busy and we don't necessarily have time to do extensive, extravagant things every day. But some of them are just simple, like color Christmas cards to deliver to the neighbors or make holiday cookies or watch a Christmas movie together. And so I really tried to be a lot more intentional during the holiday season to just figure out what would be fun from a daily basis and and knowing that I won't necessarily do that forever as long as they're teenagers. But it's been a lot of fun to just um, develop those as, as I go along. Okay, so do you have your pile of activities, and then you've got your empty envelopes, and when you get home, you put something in it? Yes. Or do you, are so you committed? Usually, I'm trying to do the night before, figuring out what is realistic for tomorrow, because mm. maybe it is realistic that we'll drive around looking at Christmas lights with hot cocoa. Maybe that will be way too time intensive. And so instead, here's some paper and some markers. Make Christmas cards for your neighbors. So I try to make a lot of the activities be kind of easy to do. And I definitely determine the night before. And I would say out of the 25-day countdown, we usually get to about 15 or 16. I would say that's success, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I know you like to get 60%. things done, but <laughs> you, you've learned that it doesn't all have to happen exactly as I scripted. Exactly. And sometimes, like we were just discussing earlier, some of the most fun things are kind of the impromptu things that happen last minute along the way. Well, we want to, despite what Eva just said, we want to prepare you and help you get uh, into the season a little more uh, diligently and intentionally. And Focus on the Family has a wonderful resource for you. It's called All the Colors of Christmas. It's an Advent activity calendar. It's a coloring book. It's uh, got all sorts of activities you can engage the family in, and we'd be happy to send that to you. If you're pressed for time and you don't know what you're going to do tonight or tomorrow night, perhaps, uh, stop by the website and get the free download of Oh Holy Night, which is a build-your-own nativity scene and Advent calendar. Uh, these resources and more at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories or call 800-A-FAMILY. And John, online we're going to have a list of Christmas traditions that you could consider starting with your family, such as having a cookie swap with friends, decorating a gingerbread house, or going to see a Christmas play or ballet like the Nutcracker. We have more suggestions along these lines at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com dot com slash Christmas stories. And our final story was told to us by Johnny Erickson Tata. She's a friend of Focus on the Family, and here she shares a touching story about a man named Joseph Moore. The story begins long ago and far away in a small little village in the mountains of ice-cold Austria. There lived there a, a very poor family, a young mother and her son Joseph, now, sadly, Joseph's daddy had left his family 
and nobody knew where he was, except that maybe he joined the army somewhere far away. And little Joseph, he was just a little boy. He was so lonely. He was so sad for his daddy. He missed him so much. And sometimes when he was up in his bedroom, he'd fill the silence with music. He would sing to himself and often sing himself to sleep. In fact, there was a man at his church, that little church in the village. This man noticed young Joseph's talent, and the man offered to pay for him to go to school and take music lessons. Joseph became a wonderful musician, and all the time, as he would play his songs, he would wonder where his soldier daddy was. Well, it was just a few days before Christmas, and everybody at the little village church was so excited that the Christmas festival concert was just days away. But suddenly, out of nowhere, there came this huge big blizzard. And on top of that, oh no, the organist discovered that the organ was broken. So sadly, it was determined that the choir would have to cancel the concert. Cancel the concert? No, you can't do that, the kids in the choir cried. This can't be. Everybody's so disappointed. Well, the organist told his friend Joseph about this problem. So he went right to his Bible, and he reread the story of Jesus' birth. He was so inspired by the story, the, the quietness, the silence, the simplicity of that silent night scene in the manger. That's it, he thought to himself. And he quickly picked up his pen right there, And Joseph wrote the words for that simple song which the children in the choir would be able to sing. Walking quickly through the snowdrifts to the church the next morning, Joseph set the words of this brand new song, Silent Night, before his organist friend. And in less than one hour, the organist came up with a lovely melody which could easily be played on a guitar. And that day, the delighted children, oh, they they learned the song very quickly because it's so simple, and they sang like angels. The adults were amazed. And by the time the people left the church, everybody was humming the melody, la-da-da-dum, and singing the words, silent night spread all over the country and around the world like a sweet fragrance of heavenly peace. Joseph never knew if his soldier daddy ever heard the Christmas song. But it's easy to guess that he did. And Joseph liked to think that somewhere out there, a lonely soldier heard the music and felt the love of Jesus.
what a touching and powerful story. And I wonder how many people knew that uh, that background of Silent Night. I know I didn't. Well, remember, uh, you can get a copy of the resources that we've talked about today, the helps for you to get into the spirit of Christmas and to celebrate it well with your family. Um, while Advent season has started, it's not too late to get all the colors of Christmas and Advent activity calendar. And uh, we also have some online resources. Uh, the starting point is focusonthefamily.com slash Stories, or call 1-800-A-FAMILY. And while you're there, you can also get O Holy Night Advent Calendar. That's a free PDF download. It has 23 scripture readings and devotions. And one thing I really love about this, John, is that there's a new character or object that you can add to the nativity scene. So you scene. can build the nativity scene during Advent. Yeah, you build the story with your kids. Oh, I like it. And we've had a lot of fun talking about some of our traditions today and the traditions of our guests. And next week, we're going to be turning the corner a little bit more as we hear about more meaningful memories from our listeners like this one. I had recently received a promotion at work, which took me away from home for several months. It was exceptionally difficult on my little girl, Caitlin, who was five at the time. When it came time to say goodbye again, I looked at Caitlin and said, I love you. And she said, I love you better. At first I was taken back and then said, better than what? And after a moment of hesitation, she said, I love you better, better, better than Christmas. At that moment, I realized just how much my little girl loved her daddy. For what could be greater to a five-year-old than Christmas? What a touching story. And we'll be sharing that whole story and many more like it next week as we share more memories of Christmas from our Focus on the Family listeners. If you're enjoying the podcast, tell a friend or two or thousands on your social feeds and give us some feedback here. Give us a rating and some feedback about the podcast. We'll say thanks in advance and trust you'll join us again next time. On behalf of Eva Daniel, the production crew, and the entire team here, I'm John Fuller. 